Hello to all of you listening. My name is Mark Vance. I'm the lead pastor at Cornerstone Church, and I'm welcoming you to the Equip Podcast. The Equip Podcast is put out by Cornerstone Church of Ames, and it's a new podcast that we've designed to help you live gospel-fueled and faithful lives in the places where Jesus has called you. And today, I am actually joined by myself. It's just me here recording this podcast because I wanted to think with you about some of just how to process through this moment of the coronavirus that we find ourselves in. I've, I've probably been thinking about this like most of you out there uh, a bit obsessively in the last couple of weeks, and I've really needed to find a way to process through my thoughts about what is this moment that I'm in, and what am I facing, and how do I think about this? And so the most helpful resource that I've found, I'm not saying everything in it is right, but it was a resource that gave me a new way to think was an article titled Leading Beyond the Blizzard by Andy Crouch. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. But that article, it's kind of an article intended for business and church leaders to promote some reflection in them. That article really gave some helpful framework to process through what the coronavirus moment is and what it isn't and how we can approach it. And in particular, what Andy Crouch does is he uses this metaphor. He says uh, from, he takes it actually from an epidemiologist at the University of Minnesota. And what he says is when you think about the coronavirus and what this moment means, you have to answer, do you believe that this is a blizzard a winter, or an ice age. So a blizzard, for all of you from Iowa who are like me, you have been in a blizzard before. A blizzard is powerful, it is um, dynamic, it is freezing cold, but it blows through relatively quickly, and all you really need to do to get through a blizzard is just hunker down and get to the other side. The goal of if you're leading in the middle of a blizzard is just get through it. If, on the other hand, you're not in a blizzard, but this coronavirus moment in America is actually a winter, while a winter isn't just an event, it's a season. It's a series of days and months. And so to prepare for a winter, you need to get new types of clothing. You, if you're going to have a heavy winter where you live, you're going to need to make sure your furnace is tuned up. In other words, there are some major thought processes and expenses that you go through to prepare for a winter that's different from just getting a little bit of food to hunker down in a blizzard. Now, both a blizzard and a winter, though, are significantly less impactful than an ice age. An ice age is a winter of winters. It's a moment where you're not just enduring a season, you're noticing a culturally seismic shift from what was to what now is. It's a different frame of reference, a different way to think about the world and how it functions. It's a once-in-a-lifetime sort of change. So in his article titled Leading Beyond the Blizzard, what Andy Crouch says is that this new novel coronavirus and the infection COVID-19 caused by it, this is not just a blizzard that we get to get through in a few days or in a couple weeks. Instead, we need to think of this moment as a the onset of an economic and cultural blizzard that will become a winter that will likely lead us into a sort of little ice age, a once-in-a-lifetime sort of change that will likely affect our lives and our organizations for years. 
that was his conclusion. And then in that article, he kind of goes and describes for small business leaders, for church leaders, what are some of the ways of thinking you're going to need to adapt to live through this cultural moment? Just his analogy, the kind of the metaphor of, is this a blizzard or is this a winter or is this an ice age was really timely and really helpful for me personally, because I was just having a hard time of finding a way to wrap my mind around everything I was seeing. I mean, I had gone, this feels like whiplash to me. I had gone from thinking maybe this is just a little flu and I've had, I've had the flu before and this is going to blow past in a few days to now like reading articles about whether I'm heading into the next great depression in America. It felt so unbelievably uncertain. So the first takeaway from this podcast episode for all of you out there is I want you to think about this question. Think through how are you seeing this moment right now? Do you think this is a blizzard where you just need to hunker down in a week or two, we'll be done with it? Are you thinking about this as a winter where you're going to have to actually prepare a little bit more thoroughly? You're going to have to think through the implications of the cold or is this actually have some implications that go beyond just a seasonal change to a cultural shift of an ice age? Um, there, and honestly, the more you think about it, you might think that um, it's elements of all three of those. Like there's some elements that are just blizzard-like, like working from home constantly. Like you're just going to hunker down, get through that, and eventually you're going to go back to work and you won't have to, you know, be on Zoom meetings with your boss, with your children screaming at you in the background and your dog peeing in your room. I get that. Okay. I think all of us hope that that moment is just a blizzard. I mean, as good as Zoom is, friends, we all are getting like a Zoom headache and are thinking about buying blue light glasses to keep the reflection of the glare of the screen out of our corneal area. So I think there's elements of a blizzard, certainly, that we see. But at the same point, if, on the other hand, you think of things like schooling, and you see actually there are bigger long-term effects of having a whole like chunk of time out of school for kids, about reading impacts for kids who are headed into first and second grade, if you think through the economic impact of a $2 trillion, trillion dollar, type of bailout package and the subsequent bailouts that will continue to come. If you think of the impact of what's going to happen socially out there in American life and in social life, when you've gone from wanting to give a new person a hug or a high five to like thinking they might infect you if they even look at you wrong, I think we all have to own that there are some things that are going to have more long-term effects than just a blizzard who that blows by. So um, personally, I've found it most helpful to think about this coronavirus as it came in like a blizzard in August. In other words, it was a totally un unseen event. Like you, nobody was totally prepared for this. I don't care how much of a future forward thinking person they were. No one was completely prepared for this. And so it was a blizzard that came on in August that brought us into a long hard winter that will be followed by a long thaw, a hard winter with a long thaw. So I think what that mindset has meant for me is that I've been able to shift into thinking about this coronavirus moment, not just in days, but in weeks or in months. 
I, I'm not trying to be panic inducing here. I'm not trying to freak people out. And I'm certainly not attempting to be a certified epidemiologist or public health official. None of those things. I don't play those on TV. But what I am trying to say is, I think we need to think of this not as a weekend event of a blizzard, but as a seasonal event of a winter. And as such, we also need to look beyond that winter and say, on the other side of this painful and hard moment, this moment of real suffering in America, of real death, what is it that God can do through that pain to produce something on the other side? And so think through those categories, blizzard, winter, or ice age. How do you see the coronavirus and what are the impacts of seeing this moment? That might be a good conversation for you to have with a spouse or for you to get onto Zoom or onto FaceTime and talk about with a friend so that you process through how do you see this moment as a person and as a leader. Now, as a person, as a leader, I have a couple big takeaways for me from this sort of thinking. Three of them that I want to talk about briefly with all of you today. The, the first one is this. The first big takeaway was I had to come to this conclusion. Normal life has changed. Normal life has changed. I can't act like it's not a big deal. This is a big deal moment in our culture in America. It's like a 9-11. It's like a world war. The economic impact of this on our American economy, on the global economy, is at a scale of nothing that I've ever seen. And so if I have in my head that I need to just get through this to get back to normal as quickly as humanly possible, I'm not agreeing with the basic facts of what this moment means. Normal life has changed. And I have to learn how to be present in the middle of that moment that I'm in. I, I can't deny it. I don't want to run away from it. I don't want to over obsess about it. I don't want to induce myself into panic in the moment of what will this mean in two years? I don't know. What I mean is I need to live faithfully in the present tense of a moment where I realize my normal is no longer present. All of us in the middle are in the middle of what I'm calling a grand cultural crisis reset. We're in the middle of a crisis reset. It's, it's like, so I grew up, I played Nintendo and uh, Super Nintendo particularly. I had old school Nintendo, then I had Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo was awesome. On the Super Nintendo, there was this reset button that you could push if your friend was whooping you in like Madden or in my case, like Street Fighter. I was really into Street Fighter. It was an awesome game. And if I was getting beat, I had a tendency to just be like, I'm sick of this and just reach up and hammer the reset button. And then boom, it would reset the whole Nintendo and everything that you had played to played for to that point would no longer be present on the screen. Okay. We are in the middle of something that we didn't see coming where a reset button has been hit for us. Like we were just walking along and then all of a sudden everything was normal on the screen and then boom, nothing is normal. Nothing is normal. And I know that for me, I know that for so many of you, the basic thing you want right now is to get back to normal as soon as possible. I just want to get back to my normal life. I want to get back to normal. And I get that. I get that. 
But what I want to urge you to do is as you think about leading through this blizzard, winter, ice age sort of moment that we're in, what I want to urge you to do is think less about how do I get back to normal? Instead, how can I be faithful in the present of what this is? God isn't calling you to get back to normal. He's calling you to be faithful in the present, faithful in the pain, faithful in the moment. And so I I just think all of us need to step back, take a deep breath, and honestly admit life as we knew it has changed in some ways that will be very different for some period of time. We might not get college football back the way we want it. I just read an article where Kirk Herbstreet, Kirk Herbstreet, Mr. College Football, is saying, I don't think we're going to get college football in the fall. Like, I thought about that. I live just down from Jack Trice Stadium on the other side of uh, Highway 30. I hear the football games in my backyard on Saturdays. People walk through my neighborhood, walking over to tailgate. Like, the thought that we might not be able to tailgate, like, what I'm saying is we have to come to this reality, realization, normal life has changed. We don't just get to snap our fingers and go back to normal. Now, here's the second big takeaway for me, thinking through this blizzard winter ice age, is if we are in the middle of a long, hard winter, it is okay to be sad about that. It Actually, it's not only okay, it is actually important. It's almost a moral imperative to learn to lament the suffering of this moment. Like as you look out and you see news headlines of the suffering of people in New York City because of the lack of a hospital bed, you're supposed to be sad about that. As you think even closer to home and you think about seniors who don't get a walk across the graduation stage at Iowa State. You should be sad about that. Like, that's not great. It, we have to learn to lament the loss of our plans and our dreams the way that we had seen them coming out because there is real sadness and there is real pain and there is real loss. And anyone who wants to be like, yep, normal's not coming back. I'm great with it. Let's move to the future. You're not taking seriously enough the need to lament and sorrow over the loss of real and important things in your life and the life of other people. You need to learn to be sad about that. You have to be able as a Christian to look at the suffering of this world dead in the face and be honest with it. Like last night I was watching a BBC news Um, British Broadcasting Company. I watch it because they have super cool accents because they're British and because they have a little bit bigger view of the world than Americans typically do. And on the BBC newscast, they had an interview with a leading epidemiologist who uh, was a uh, asylum seeker from Syria who now worked at a hospital in Chicago. And he talked about Syrian refugee camps and the growing suspicion and echoes through the medical community that there are coronavirus cases now hitting refugee camps in Syria. And as a Christian, we have to be able to mourn 
the suffering and loss of life that will happen when a virus ravages through vulnerable people. I've really been helped. One, one of the Psalms that uh, Andy Crouch mentions in his article is Psalm 137. It's a Psalm written from Babylon by the exiles. And you have to realize Israel, when they went into the Babylonian captivity, they experienced a decimation far worse than even the viral pandemic will bring. The Babylonians came in and committed cultural genocide on those societies that they destroyed. They came into Israel, they burnt the temple and the place of worship of God down, they murdered all of the younger generation that they could, and they their goal was cultural destruction of nations. And so Psalm 137 says, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. We hung up our lyres on the poplar trees because our captors asked us, our tormentors, for rejoicing. They taunted us, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? See, like, I think you have to put yourself into the place of the writer of Psalm 137. Their culture has been destroyed. Their dreams of what they loved are gone. Normal life is forever changed. And the question is, how in the world would I sing the songs I used to sing when I sit in a foreign land? And actually the Psalm goes on and calls down a terrible imprecation of judgment on the Babylonians. Ultimately, those captives of Israel taken out of the land of Jerusalem, all of their plans ripped up, all of their land gone, were taken into Babylon, and they were told by God through his prophets, work for the good of Babylon, for the good of the city where you find yourself in captivity. In other words, all your plans, all your dreams are gone. It's okay to mourn all of those things, but I'm going to teach you how to sing the song of Zion in a foreign land. And because they embraced that, because they went through the lament and the brokenness over what they had lost, they had the new creative energy and faith-fueled promises of God to go forward inside of their Babylonian captivity. My point is this. It's not only okay to be sad. It's a biblically important thing to be sad. If you don't know how to lament the loss of what you loved in this moment through the coronavirus, you won't have the creative energy to pursue a faith-fueled future. So, Big takeaway one, normal life has changed. Big takeaway two, it's okay to be sad about that. Big takeaway three, there is hope of spring after the winter. Even in the immediate moment where we're in the long, hard winter, there are incredible creative opportunities for the love of Jesus to be put on display. That suffering will give opportunity for the gospel to be seen more clearly than good times could. I mean, even in the immediate Shane Roethlisberger and I were talking today, and Shane was just sharing some of his ideas on simple ways for people to love their neighbors. Here's simple way number one. Wash your hands, people. Get some hardcore, like, bleach-based soap. I realize, okay, write me the letter. That's not a real thing. I get it. Just wash your hands. Wash your hands. Isn't it incredible? How can I love my neighbor? Starts with this phrase. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. But Shane went on and he said, you know, yes, wash your hands, but look for real ways to love your real neighbors. They actually might need toilet paper. 
They, they actually may not be able to get. So don't just look for like, oh, I want to love my neighbor in some sort of cute Christian phrase. Go to the real neighbor you have and say, how can I love you? That's an immediate opportunity for creativity to express gospel reality. You see, crisis creates creative opportunity. The crisis demands new ideas and new innovation that the normal way of living didn't. Everything going on the way it always was meant we would just continue to behave the way we always had. So the crisis creates an opportunity for new ideas, for new innovation, for new ways to change that actually ultimately might end up with even better long-term changes. It may be that actually in this crisis moment, you're going to be forced to shelter at home with a bunch of people that you don't have a great relationship with. You might be really distant from your spouse or from your kids. And maybe this moment is the chance for you to take seriously that those relationships matter and you need to pursue them. You know, one of the great effects of this coronavirus winter that we find ourselves in right now is that I've been playing charades with my children. Uh, my kids have figured out that they really like the game of charades. I'd never played charades with my kids before, but we're running out of puzzles and ideas. And so we're making up games. And it's hilarious and delightful and great. In the evening, I'm going to come home tonight. I'm going to play charades with my kids, and I'm going to create a memory and a moment out of a crisis. See, I wouldn't have had that creative opportunity. There's hope in spring that's coming. And if you're a Christian, in the long term, all of the things that we cling to the most in these moments are found in Christ. All of the realities that we need the most. The resurrection of Jesus is true. One day everything sad will come untrue because Jesus is Lord and he has conquered sin, death, and hell. That means our ultimate hope isn't the hope that we'll return to normal life. Our ultimate hope is that one day Jesus Christ will return and he'll make all things new. The coronavirus is another moment where we are reminded that the curse of sin still reigns in this earth. And so we pray that Christ would return and he would bring with him the blessings of his return as far as the curse is found. Just don't forget in this moment, normal life has changed, and it's okay to be sad about that, but there's hope of spring on the other side of the hard winter. And so what I want all of us to kind of leave this discussion today with is this. You need to find a way to think with honesty about what is happening in this coronavirus moment. Are we in the middle of a blizzard, a winter, an ice age? And what are the implications of that for me as I lead my family, as I walk with Jesus, and as I try to embrace with faith the sort of life that I need to move into in the coming days? We need the space as Christians to have honest reflection, to realize that normal life has changed, that it's okay to be sad about that, but to find hope both for creative gospel, opportunity, creative opportunities to love in the moment, and long-term change in the future. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that God would use the hard time to create soft hearts, and that ultimately he would bring good even from the hard moment of the coronavirus. I'm praying that that would be true in my life and in the life of all of you who'd be listening in today. God bless you guys.